Hey guys, welcome to another episode today of Four Peas in a Pod. This is episode seven. You're joined here today with David Davis, Andre Messam, Anthony Messam, and Orville Davis. And today we're going to talk more about some of the financial products. Um, what we wanted to cover today is the importance of owning your own home and really talk about the pros and cons of renting versus owning, you know, purchasing a single family versus multifamily. And um, we, we're going to get started today with, you know, two of our P's that are actual homeowners and talk a little bit about their experience. And then we're going to follow up with just some Q&A uh, that you guys would find helpful. Well, you know, definitely um, starting out. It's just like it can feel so overwhelming. And I think like a big question is like, what's needed to get started? So do you want to start with that? Sure. Uh, the first thing that's needed to get started is a solid credit score. Um, also, what goes hand in that is having a decent amount of money saved. Um, you might think, what's a decent amount of money saved? You have to go for your pre-approval, and when you get your pre-approval, it's about three and a half to five percent down on your first house, and that'll be a decent ballpark figure to start saving and looking at properties. So, in my opinion, um, the way that I did it, because I actually didn't have that much money saved up, but what I did was um, I had access to, you know, a family member's um, retirement account and was able to borrow the money from there and what the banks require is that you actually keep it in your account for three months so that um, it's solidified and they may want to see like a letter saying that you know this is a gift for them to do whatever they need to do with that money and this is not to be repaid back in any type of way and um, as far as like the credit score definitely you want to like make sure that that's built up and that you want to have at least a 580 or higher, uh, depending on which uh, bank that you go with or uh, which loan that you decide to go with. So it kind of varies with that. So you guys mentioned credit score a lot. Um, how, does my credit, how does my credit score affect a home purchase? You know, like, is, does it allow me to get more money or what? You know, because... Like, and how do I affect my credit score to make it better? Now, how do I, how am I able to adjust it to make it better? Well, that's a two-part question. So part one is that it affects you by the type of interest rate that you can get for the house. Um, so if you have a low credit score, as in that 500 range, um, not to say that you can't get a house or they won't provide you with the mortgage. It's just that it's going to be at a higher interest rate. Um, so the higher the credit score, the better. You want to try to get it to a 700 um, just to be on a safe side. How can you get it better is by cleaning up any delinquent activities that you may have um, or paying down on any loans or money that's owed. Credit cards is a big one that can lower your credit score. Um, so when it comes to the uses of credit cards, you want to keep that lower than 30% of total use. And that'll definitely increase your credit score. Right. I totally agree with that as well. Um, you know, definitely they, there are different ways to attack eliminating debt. And, you know, certain people go through techniques. Like what I did was um, I paid more than what the minimum balance was on my credit card. I made sure I got that down. And another thing was with car loans. 
So banks don't usually want to see that you actually have a car loan that is active or that is um, more than one year that you have to pay it off. So if you have a, a car loan that you're going to finish paying off in a year, they don't, they'll, they'll look the other way. They won't care too much about that. So one thing is to kind of like clear up whatever car loans that you might have because that's a huge thing. Credit cards, they'll, they'll kind of work with you because they're looking that they usually uh, pay at least 20% of whatever the, the total balance is per month. And um, another thing is there's credit repair agencies that can actually help you um, get rid of some of the delinquencies, kind of like uh, battle whatever... Um, credit bureaus that are out there with whatever they have on your name and try to eliminate what like what be what may be a negative effect on your credit. Absolutely, absolutely. What they're gonna do is um deduct what that car payment is from the amount that you can um pay for that mortgage that they qualify you for. So it may not be the total percent, but it'll be a large per percentage that they're gonna deduct. Um so if you have five hundred dollar car payments, like they're gonna take a portion of that and subtract that from your actual monthly amount that they qualify you for, which will lower the amount that you can pay a month for a mortgage. So you're going to get a smaller mortgage. So you guys touched on the down payment of three and a half to five percent. And I, from what I understand, it, you know, if I go with a lower down payment for property. I understand that there may be an additional payment on your mortgage. And I just want to understand a little bit more about, you know, what is that? Does that go away? Is it better to put down more of a down payment, save up more, maybe live, you know, with my family a lo a longer to have a more of a down payment? Or should I just have that lowest down payment possible and worry about uh, and perhaps pay, pay, make, um, you know, uh, principal payments, you know, to, to lower it. What's your guys take on that? So what that extra payment is called, is called PMI. That's principal mortgage insurance. And that comes with you taking out a mortgage and you did not put 20% down. So it's just an insurance and that's primarily for the bank. Um, Again, once you can get the way that you can get rid of not paying that mortgage, that um principal mortgage insurance is by putting down initially at the closing table twenty percent of whatever the mortgage is. Or more. Um, generally speaking, a lot of people don't have twenty percent, right? So if you look at, you know, certain houses like what houses are going for at the moment. So I looked at a two-family house the other day. Um, and 20% of that is about 120000 In New York, right? Yeah. So speaking from an, a New York perspective, um, everybody doesn't have $120,000 down to just put right away. And if you do have it, would you want to throw, all, not throw all of it away, but put it down and be left with such a minimal, minimal amount? I mean, if you have access to unlimited cash, I mean, why not just... Lower the mortgage and try to pay it off as soon as possible. But my advice, especially for a first-time homeowner, I would say take advantage of um, the FHA privileges. It's a first-time home home buyer privilege, which they allow you to pay three and a half percent down. Okay, so this will help me essentially have a. It will be a higher higher mortgage, but I would I would have to have come less out of pocket and eventually possibly get rid of that. PMI or private mortgage insurance down the line. Yeah, so if you had 
saved, I guess, between you and your partner, or you saved it yourself, $100,000. Um, the 3.5% um, on like 550000 to six hundred would be about $20,000, 21000 um, and then you'll have $80,000 in your pocket, you know, for emergencies. Um, you're just buying a house. You don't really know what could come up in the next couple months. Um, when I first bought my house, I had a major sewer problem and it was going out to the street. So, I mean, me along with my dad, my wife and friends, I mean, we tackled it, you know, and just kept it in house. So, we didn't really have to come out of pocket too much, but if it was something that was going to cost thousands of dollars, at least you had access to it. Um, initially, you had you would have the funds. You wouldn't have to go take out a, a, a loan. You wouldn't have to go to your family for support or ask, you know beg anybody. Right. So, um, just in my personal opinion, um, I don't see nothing wrong with uh, you know putting a lower down payment in. But it kind of depends on like where the market's at and what interest rates are at at the moment. So like if interest rates are high, you know you kind of want to uh, save up that money and put like that that twenty percent down. But if interest rates are low, you kind of want to just get right in there and like pay that lower down payment because you know you're eventually gonna have to like pay for it in the. Uh, what they do is like if you're gonna put a lower down payment, they're gonna take the the remainder of what that twenty percent would have been and throw it into the closing costs. It just is what it is. Like they, they'll, they'll find a way to do that, and they'll charge you interest on that. But if the interest rate is low, then fine, you can absolve it. But if it's high, then you, you kind of want to save and just put that money straight forward. So to take a step back for a moment, I think there's also emotional reservations people have about purchasing a home because they look at it as such a long-term investment. You know, am I going to be in New York for a long time. Will I like this house for 30 years? Um, and they opt toward renting. And I think I'd like to know a little bit about the pros and cons of owning a home. You know, what, what, what value does that add? Um, what are some cons of owning your home? And what are some pros and cons of just renting? Um, and, um, you know, having that flexibility and what are cons to renting? And and also just to add to that, <clears throat> uh, third part, I uh, would say taking the option to rent to own as well. I think that would go well with this question. Okay, great. So as far as renting, um, it depends on where you're at, like as far as in work. Uh, I do feel that like if you rent, um, you have the ability to kind of just get up and go wherever you want. Like if you want to move to a different state, you could just do that at any at any moment and if your job requires you to just get up and go somewhere or if you're like uh, uh, an international assignee like you know where you have to work abroad this that would be more of like the the proper route for you to take however i do feel that owning a home can still also benefit you especially now in the time that we have you know access to internet and you know being able to communicate with anybody by just the touch of a button so i do feel there's benefits in owning a home and you can make that work even if you want to like go around and travel the world or you have to go other places on assignment. So yeah, that's that's my point of view. And Tone, like, what do you what do you think about that? Um, I think everybody should initially rent. It gives you a sense of responsibility. Mm -hmm. It gives you a sense of 
you know, having to take care of something, even if it's not yours, you, you claim it as yours. You know, you bring anybody to your, your place, you know, this is my house, regardless if you're renting or not. So you establish a sense of um, responsibility with renting. Um, so finding an option, because everybody's not doing it, but if they offer you the option for rent to own and you have owning in your future, I think you should take advantage of it. Um, but just know that it's not a guarantee. So you have you have rent to own, but it's really up to discretion of the homeowner. So they can give you that option, but just know that it won't always fully follow through. Right? They could change their mind at any given time. All right. So, um, I'm sorry, you were saying. So the, the difference between owner property um, is that your money actually you know stays with you. It's you're investing in a property, the value is always there. So if you paid, say, 500000 for a property and you paid down 100000 towards the principal, and you have that $100,000 that if you were to sell, you can always acquire that, you know, and it'll be more beneficial if you did work to the property and you gained a value. Um, you can actually make more than $100,000 that you actually paid down to the principal. So, like, I understand, like, where you're coming from as far as, like, you know, building the discipline to, you know, say that, okay, I'm, I'm paying for something per month and this is what I need to set aside and this is how renting can benefit you. But in my personal experience, I've never rented and I've actually, what my strategy was, you know, to either live at home with uh, my, my mother or live at uh, my, at the time, my girlfriend's home with her mother and save up my money so that I can build up that, that nest egg so I could put a down payment on a house. I so. mean, nobody's saying that you have to rent forever. You can get a one-year lease. It's just about building up the the confidence and the discipline right, that comes I, behind with that. owning a home. One year, you know, of you taking your time out to get your own space, being your own, prem, you know, premises and just saying that this is belongs to you, you know, you put your own taste on it instead of you living with your parents, you know, how, whatever that situation may be, but you know, you renting, you took the time out, you, you got furniture, you got things that put an accent on who you are, right? You know, so when you step into your place, it, it's, it's you, right? Yeah, it's an extension it of you. Bad. So when you buy a house, you know, you got to look at the upside. You already have furniture. You already have, you know, certain things that can help this home actually feel like a home. Right. But, like, do you feel that, like, you may be robbing from your future by renting? Because, I mean, for me personally, it felt like that, like, I was throwing away my money to somebody who wouldn't, wouldn't even help me to get a new home unless this was a rent-to-own option. But, I mean... That's that was one of the reasons why like I personally didn't want to go and rent and why it kind of deterred my wife from going to rent because we said like you know rather than paying rent to somebody who doesn't really care what I do in the future I rather pay to somebody who will actually give me a down payment down the line if I if I need help getting a down payment. Well, I mean, however, however you look at it, if you have the access to the cash and you could go ahead and own a home, then go ahead and you feel like you're responsible. Go ahead. Right. But if you feel like, you know, maybe you're not really ready, I think 
renting is the perfect option. Definitely does this. And one. like I said, you got to start somewhere. So gaining a responsibility is starting somewhere. And that's the most important other than having money and credit. I think having the responsibility, knowing how to tackle things, and especially if something breaks in your apartment that you're renting, you know, you could take the initiative and try to fix it yourself so that when you do own a home, you know, you could save a buck or two doing things on your own. Well, that, that's kind of tricky, though, because, like, you know, if you're a renter, sometimes in your contract, you're not supposed to touch things, and usually the landlord is supposed to cover it. You just tell them, something's broken, fix it, or I'm not paying you rent, right? Hey, whether you tackle it yourself or you call somebody to get it done, better done is better than well said, <laughs> right? So as long as it gets done properly. I, I think a, a, another reservation um, that kind of comes to mind when you own versus rent is what if I lose my job? What if I foreclose? And, you know, I'd like to kind of maybe speak, you know, get get a little bit of insight on that. I mean, um, you know, what what is is do I do I get kicked out of my home when I miss a mortgage payment? Like, how does that work? You know, I, I think that's something that, you know, is a big step. You know, when you're renting, it's simply, you know, you either got to find a new place to live or you live with your family. Foreclosure, it's going to be on my credit for so many years. And, you know, I, I, what, what's what's the process with that? What's, what's your guys, you know, knowledge on that? So when buying a house, that is pretty much the scariest thing because, you know, you could either be in a no-fault state like New York and they could kind of let you go for whatever the reason may be, whether your boss is just having problems with you, whether you're just late, whether they're just downsizing, you know, and that's always something that's, you know, in the back of my mind, like, what if I can't make mortgage payments? Um, so the whole thing of buying a house, it's going into it with a plan. You know, this is not something that you just jump into and be successful. It doesn't happen that way all the time. So if you have any reservations on, like, if you lose your job, you know, let that be part of the plan when you do go about looking at a house. A plan such as um, having a partner that kind of has your back. So whether you have boyfriend, girlfriend, and you guys are on the right page, you know, let that be a topic. You know, what if I lost my job? Would one person be able to cover it? alone until the other gets on their feet. Um, if you have a supportive family, take advantage of that, you know, let them know what your goals are, what your intentions are, and go about it that way. You know, will they be able to help you if, you know, you do fall off your feet? Um, also, you know, you could be your own insurance. Save enough that you'll have either six months to a year that you can pay the mortgage, you know, pay utilities. Maybe other things might have to get cut back, but you own a property and that's your new responsibility. So, yeah, I definitely highly agree with everything you're saying as far as, you know, having a significant other to kind of like support you with the process of owning a home. And because uh, in my personal experience, you know, I wasn't working because I was out of work because uh, I was injured on the job. And my wife had to kind of carry the load as far as you know being able to, you know, pay the pay the mortgage or to come up with the income to, you know, pay for whatever needs to be paid for, right? So, um, personally, I do agree with that, and this had helped me along the way because I was able to get the mortgage. Now, as far as like you know uh, a savings, you know, six months to a year, you definitely want that. Like that will definitely ensure that in case anything goes wrong. 
be able to pay for it. Now, as far as like, um, you know, will this, will, will you get kicked out of your house if you don't pay the mortgage? Um, there will be a process where if you miss a certain amount of payments that the bank will start to say, okay, you know, you're missing this amount of payments and they'll, they'll give you a notice that they're going to put your house in foreclosure. And if you don't come up with a certain amount of money in this amount of time, then, you know, you're going to be eventually evicted out of it because they're going to sell the, the mortgage and um, they're going to sell to someone who could actually pay for it. And you have, you're left with like two options, foreclosure or short sale. And um, I don't recommend any of those. I feel like you know there's a better way of doing things. And that kind of ties in more with what direction you're taking as far as buying a home. Are you buying a home just to live in solely or are you going to be renting out a unit? So to tack on to that, right? Before it gets to that foreclosure process, there's things that can be done before that. They have um, loan modification programs that will be able to help you as, you know, a resort of you not losing your home. So people like the banks don't want you to lose your property. That's not their main goal. You know, they make more money if you actually keep the home and paying interest over the, the years. So they want you to stay in the home. You know, that's that's the good portion. But before it does hit your credit. So after the loan modification, they also have, you know, a way of you getting out of the house without it hitting your credit, which is a short sale. So you can pay, um, somebody can buy the house from you for the balance was left over. You won't be making any money from it, you know, um, but it is a way that you can sell the house without getting into foreclosure and it staying on your credit for 10 years. And then the last resort would be the bank has now repossessed your house. So there's definitely multiple steps um, that happens before the bank takes your house. Well, before we lose the house, you know, once I saved up for the money for the down payment, how would how would I go about determining a house that I should purchase? So it took me a year to buy my first house and I wasn't experienced in what I wanted. And I wasn't experienced in looking at houses so the goal is to know what your your plan is. Um, most people don't want to deal with tenants. So they kind of just want to live on their own. They end up with a one-family house. If you go into a one-family house, remember, have those steps ready. What if you do lose your job? Um, if you do have a two-family house, you know, at least you have a little bit of help. You know, so having a little bit of help of renting one section plus, you know, having that discussion of, with your family just in case you lose your job can be the additional help plus having, you know, um, six months to a year saving with the property. Um, so there's definitely multiple sources to help you out to keep your home. The only downfall to a two family house is just, it's a bit more expensive than having a one family. Right. Definitely. Um, cause like in my process, I originally had wanted a condo and for whatever reason I didn't get into the condo but it, it eventually opened up an avenue to buy a house. And when I looked at that house, I saw that I was able to rent out the lower unit and it, it had its own kitchen, home bathroom. And I saw that, you know, I could make money off of this, whether I live within that, that unit on the lower level or live in the upper unit. 
And I saw that, you know, if anything was to happen as far as me not being able to provide the income that needed to be, I would be okay. And I could like make things work along the lines. And um, do you guys feel that, so I have, I have two things, right? So is it better to buy a fixer upper or is it better to buy a fully renovated property? And that could be for single or multifamily or condo. And then the other question that I have is like, what if a big reservation I have of purchasing a property is, so like Tone, you brought up, like you had a big sewage problem and big like construction work. Like I, I'm not knowledgeable about construction. I don't want to have to do this stuff or spend a lot of money. You know, is there a way that I can own a property, but you know, perhaps be a part of a, you know, um, a building where it's maintained by, you know, someone else. How, how does that essentially work? So this is falling into what do you initially want? And you don't want to go over your head with certain things. So as a newbie into it and not really being knowledgeable in construction, Dave, it'll be maybe nice for you to get a, a turnkey, just move in ready property. But you have, to know, you have to know that that comes at a cost. And that comes at a pretty hefty cost because fully renovated properties, they're really expensive. Um, if you get something that's a fix-me-upper, you want to look at things that you could handle. Yeah, we could paint. We can, uh, you know, maybe get a uncle or cousin here to help us put together a kitchen. You know, these are things that you can build over time. And then now you have this house for 30 years, you definitely have a lot of time. You know, so I would always recommend fix-me-uppers. And the big upside of it is that you get it for a cheap cost. So by... <coughs> By you getting it for a cheap cost, you're going to have instant equity. Mm-hmm. Okay? And equity is the what you pay for the property and what the property is worth. That in-between number, that's equity. Right. Yeah. I mean, Anthony's actually saying some pretty significant stuff. You know, because um, for my house, I bought a home where... Um, the couple was looking to move out, so they didn't care that their, their property was selling for below market value. Got in there. There was some little renovations that needed to be done to make it more attract, more attractive. But, um, you know, as far as, like, fixing up the house, you know, little things like paint, great. But, like, as far as, like, you know, um, like, more heavy-duty work, I don't feel that, like, you know, if you have to, like, you know, redo the foundation of a home, that it's it's kind of worth Pick, you know, buying that property because you might end up spending more money. But I do feel that, you know, being knowledgeable of how to do certain things is definitely beneficial because if you're going into a property and you you don't actually want to do the work, but you know how to do the work, you can hire people to do the work for you. And if they know that you know what you're talking about and you know what needs to be done, it doesn't give them the opportunity to take advantage of you so that you can negotiate the price and you tell them, no, I know that how this works and this can be done like this. And it gives you more leverage in negotiation. So, okay. So, so in reference to if I don't want to take on the task of, you know, being in charge of the, the maintenance of my mm-hmm. property, would it be better if I bought like a condo or co-op where the board or the building would charge me a certain fee and I, I pay them? Would that, would that cover major renovations? I mean, how does that work? So as far as condos and uh, co-ops, yeah, the board or the, the tenant, I mean, uh, the board or the landlord, I shouldn't say landlord, the board or the person, um, you know, that's in control of the, uh, the maintenance of the, uh, of the condo or co-op, 
they're usually the ones who like take care of like the upkeeping of like whatever's going around like externally but within the four walls of the home you kind of have to take care of that but you're not allowed to make changes unless you get approval from the board if that makes sense um but as far as like you know you, you're, you're gonna pay a maintenance fee and that's what's gonna cover everything you're gonna keep the upkeeping of like whatever is outside you know maybe if something if a pipe breaks they'll they'll cover that certain things that to deal with like you know the um the, the actual structure of the place rather than like cosmetics got it okay i think that was great um i found i actually found a lot of value um in this uh in this conversation i mean really for the most part um you know we all have different outlets and we encourage our listeners to you know continue to ask us any additional questions you may have about the uh the, the home buying process. Any closing comments, guys? Um, yeah, I just wanted to add one thing. Just because you don't make, you know, 75000 to 100000 a year, don't be discouraged that you can't buy a property. Um, if you do make, you know, thirty to $50,000 a year, um, there are, you know, inner city housing uh, assistance that can help you with the down payment of your your property. So it may not be, you know, like a really expensive property, but they, it'll be something that is a starter home. So it's all about, you know, laying that first brick and it's a start. Um, in order to get something you never had, you have to do something you never did. So just start and, and put your foot forward. Right. And as far as like, you know, if you're going to look for a fixer upper, there's loans to actually help you with that process. And there's actually grants that will actually pay for a majority of the cost um, of whatever repairs that need to be made. Because, you know, believe it or not, the nation, the U.S., wants you to get into a home that they want you to fulfill that American dream. And a lot of us think that it's not the case, but they really want to get you in there. You just have to know where to look. And there's definitely um, agencies that will help facilitate these certain grants and loans and actually educate you on you know, what you need to do and help you speak and refer you to like, you know, um, lawyers, homeowner, like home lawyers and um, inspectors and of the sort to kind of guide you through the process. Great. Uh, so again, guys, we appreciate you guys listening in. Uh, as we as we did mention, we do encourage you to, to reach out. Um, I just want to kind of go around and, you know, share our contact or way for people to get in touch with us. Um, whether it be social media, via email, or something of that sort. So uh, um, this is David Davis. If you guys would like to you know, follow me, I, I'm on Instagram at Beloved414. This is Andre Messam. Please follow me on Instagram at Andre.Messam. And uh, I'm Orville Davis. I'm on uh, Facebook as Orville Xavier Davis and Instagram as OD underscore Real Talk X. Uh, I have an email, Anthony Messam at Gmail. Perfect. And uh, as always, guys, if you found value in our content today, uh, please share with a like-minded friend. Um, and uh, we look forward to speaking with you guys and uh, seeing you guys next week. Have a great day. Take care.